Look for 7 at 7 local streaming news from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Find it on your smartphone at the RJ app or it's available on Roku TV, Fire TV and Apple TV. Download the app and you're ready to go for 7 at 7. You're listening to Vegas Nation. It's Wednesday, which means it's time for takeaways with me, Heidi Fang. Welcome, everybody, to the Takeaways edition of the Vegas Nation podcast. It's your host here, Heidi Fang, and we are brought to you by the Las Vegas Review Journal and also presented to you by Blue Wire Podcast. Joining me today, you can catch him on 920 a.m. Monday through Friday, 4 to 6 p.m. on In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, one of our own. It's Lincoln Kennedy, former Raiders offensive tackle. Thank you so much for joining me here today, Lincoln. My pleasure, Heidi. It's no problem. How are you doing today? Doing all right. I, mean, I know about you, but I just came in from a little bitty thunderstorm. So I got that that sleek look going. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, it's uh, it's it'll probably be coming here as soon. You no, know, you live in Phoenix. Uh, generally, the weather pushes south, so it might be coming here in a day or so. But we might get some some storms this afternoon as well. <laughs> yeah. So fun weather, getting ready for training camp. I'm so excited to be back. Uh, football season getting underway with being having training camp first of all, and the ability to go out, mm-hmm. start kind of assessing and seeing where these guys are at. Although for me, and I'm sure the same for you, I don't feel that I get the true feeling until the pads are on. That's like my favorite day. So <laughs> first, I want to get your take on how much you think that training camp is going to help this young Raiders team finally come together. Well, you know, in many respects, like you just said, I, I've always believed that you never know how good you are until you play against somebody. And so even by today's standards, the way that guys practice, the way the teams practice, even post-COVID, because that threw a crimp in everything last season, um, it's, it's anyone's guess what you're going to get. You know, the thing is, is coaches have to pay a very good strategy when it comes to how much work do you get out of your guys, making sure they're going to be available on game day, because let's face it, that's the most important thing, Right. So when you add one regular season game um, to the you know already rigorous schedule, that takes a little bit of strategy. And what they didn't have last year was the preseason games. And you know, back when I played, we had a little bit of a routine how we did things uh, during the preseason. But these days, because the costs and the risk are so high, a lot of coaches don't like playing their starters in preseason. So you know, there's so many question marks. We can go in and talk ad nauseum. Uh, to, 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 to a degree, but we just, we just don't know until we see it. How long you got, Lincoln? I, I can't talk. About <laughs> <it>. <laughs> uh, you know, I was thinking about that with the three-game preseason, and that's something I want to get your take on strategically and how you think it might affect what we normally would see in a regular four-game preseason, or does it change much at all? Strategy speaking, this is in the past, um, prior to COVID. Yeah. Most coaches would not start there or play their starters, not even a little bit in preseason. They just wouldn't take the risk. They would play backups. That's why some of them would call camp bodies. They would play backups and they would play guys they're trying to get some evaluation, guys that wouldn't typically play in the regular season but might be on the roster, get some playing time, see what they can do, get some stuff on film. That's been sort of the normal practice. With that being said, the risk that you run is um, most coaches are taking it on their chin, saying the first four games of the regular season are what they're using to get their guys in a football shape. Mm-hmm. There's a risk there too, because if you lose them during the season, it's hard to get them back during the season. So 
With that being said, there's, there's where the strategy comes into. However, what I saw from the Raiders last year is I saw a very young and inexperienced team that didn't, wasn't used to working together. Mm-hmm. And it really, on defense, uh, really showed their, 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 their lack of experience and their lack of you know, team continuity. Now, they, they got better statistically uh, as the season went on. So you did see some improvements. But for the most part, pushing forward to a possible playoff team, they weren't anywhere close. So the biggest question mark, obviously, coming into this season is going to be defense. Can the defense get some stops? Offense is capable of scoring. They're looking to be good, but can the defense get some stops? So that's going to be the big question mark. Now, how much you want to show in preseason? How much do you want to expose your guys to it is the big question mark of how much you want to do. Look, I've been on teams where we went in with a very vanilla playbook. What I mean by that, just basic. To get some work, it was almost like a glorified practice. You'd get through it, find a way to get through it. I've also been on some teams where we actually game plan. Coaches will put together a strategy, game plan. Sometimes those coaches didn't want to show those things off in preseason because you didn't want to put it on film for other teams to study to know how to defend. So there, there lies the strategy of coaching and putting a professional team on the floor, on the field. And in that, when you speak about some vanilla playbooks, I mean, I think, I don't want to say Gus Bradley is vanilla, but I think that compared to what I've heard about Gunther's defense, this one is a little bit less intricate, let's say, with the, the cover three and the schemes that he might run as opposed to Gunther's uh, schemes and what he might run. So how much do you feel like the Gus Bradley changeover is going to help some of the younger players with the way that his playbook is? When coaches, when I've been around teams and, 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 and um, whether it was offense or defense, guys struggled to get the overall philosophy of what the, the scheme was trying to create, we would do what we call simplify it. You take a couple steps back, you make it as basic as possible, you explain, you explain the basics, and then you move forward from there. You add more as they get more and more experience. That's what you're going to have to do with a new defensive coordinator, new defensive philosophy. Now, just a whole cover three concept is very basic. Uh, in the sense where you don't have a lot of elaborate coverages. You could do some combo coverage. There's some things that you can do out of it. But right now, what the Raiders need to focus on, they need to focus on, one, getting a pass rush with only four guys. Yeah. Because that's what primary this, this defense relies on. Getting a pass rush with four by Generating enough pass rush with four guys to where you can keep offenses on their heels or have to keep extra guys in to protect. And two, and the most important thing, is Heidi is getting everybody in the right place at the right time. You saw it last year. There were so many guys who were playing out of place, so many guys who weren't in the right place, so many voids in the secondary when it came to coverage options that it created big plays against the defense. So that's the number two thing that you're going to – and then the three, which is always the basic, or always the great part about it, is execution. You want everybody to be able to move at a full speed, whatever their responsibility is, and get to that point and make an impact. And so – you know, those are those are things that, that last one is not something that you really coach. It's all a matter of past the personal desire and the player. But players will have more confidence if they one know what they're doing and two are in the right place. And to that, bringing up the secondary, I wanted to get your take on Casey Hayward coming into the mix of, of that fold, um, and also some of the uh, safeties as well with Trayvon Merrick coming on the scene here, um, adding to Jonathan Abram and. Um, whether or not they have um, somebody in slot who comes into that space. I just wanted to get your take on some of the guys they brought in to help improve this secondary. And do you think that they have a bonafide leader 
in that secondary core right now? No. They answer the latter question first. They don't have yeah. a leader. And that's why they brought in guys like Casey Hayward. That's why they're going to try to have guys who are familiar with this defense coming in on an experience level, play the defense. Look, I don't know who's going to be the slot corner. Um, I know that Trayvon Mullen took a step forward last year. Mm-hmm. Damon Arnett didn't really necessarily regress because it was his first year, but he didn't take the steps that people thought he would. And I don't know if he's cut out for this defense. Um, so that's a question mark to see where they place him, where he plays and how he evolves. And maybe it just, you know, when you pick a first rounder, you don't want to get rid of him, but you know, if you don't have any use for him, you might have to move on from him. Yeah. And that's just doing business. Um, but when you talk about Jonathan Abram, he was out of position last year. He's not a field safety. He's more of a in-the-box safety, more of what I like to refer to as a rover, which is a guy who plays the run and plays a short pass. Um, but I think in coverage and in, in, in a lot of the uh, places that he was put last year made him a liability rather than you know an asset. So that needs to be addressed. But I don't want to lose his tenacity. I don't want to lose his vigor. Mm-hmm. I don't want to lose his passion for the game. You just have to find the right place for it. So, um, you know, I hate to be, you know, one of, the, one of the reasons why I don't do a lot of these, Heidi, is when you ask a great question like that <laughs> and you don't have a definitive answer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you just don't know. I don't wanted know, to ask because I was like, Link's been there. He's been on yeah. that gridiron. Let's ask Yeah, but I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, but at the same point, you just don't know. And I don't, yep. I'm, as, I'm as, you know, inquisitive as everybody in, in the nation is what product they're going to see in the film. And, and I don't necessarily know what we're going to see that, say that first preseason game. Yeah. You know, you know, and I'll be in the stadium. We'll be covering it. It'll be a lot of excitement. There'll be fans in there. Everybody will be up. I don't know what product you're going to see. Um, but at the same point, I know this is a very, very important season for the Raiders in so many ways. So they have to have that development and it has to happen. It has to happen yesterday rather than tomorrow. Absolutely. And something I've seen Arnett flourish in is in the press coverage. He works well there, yeah. but it's a matter of how do they get him to evolve beyond that? That is something that I'm hoping exactly right. we all see in the coming year. And even in training camp, when we start yeah. getting looks at these guys, um, how he works with Milas, because Coach Milas, I'm hearing great things from as far as the other guys. And Abram spoke about him and they sing his praises. I want to talk to you a little bit more about defense, but just there you said coming back home to Legion Stadium, getting in there with fans finally. How much have you been anticipating that moment? Since, the, since we did the very first game in Allegiant last year. Yeah. Really did. Um, when, I, when I got to see the finished product, I was so impressed with the stadium and was so happy for the organization. This is something that they've wanted exclusively for some time. And every other team in the NFL had a wanted to brag about theirs, except for the Raiders until now. But that being said, it was, it was disheartening when you were at home and you, felt the, you didn't feel the energy and the emotion from, from playing a home game, say, against the Buccaneers or, or the Saints, and you don't have any fans in the stands. You know what I mean? It, it, it's hard. It's, it's hard to, to sort of echo or to express that, explain that. But to me, it's, it's something that's long overdue. And... I know that there are so many people who are not only excited for the Monday night game against the Ravens, the season opener, but they're excited for a preseason game <laughs> against the Seahawks in August, mid-August. So um, you, you live there. You've seen how Vegas has picked up since it's opened back up, how the craze has been created. Uh, I heard things about the Garfield Brook concert as well as the raid that was over at Legion. I know they've got something planned. I think they've got something planned every week in August yeah. in Allegiant. So it's, it's going to be busy. 
I'm really, really excited for the fans, the nation, to finally see the Raiders home and make it a strong home field advantage. One of the men behind building the pristine palace known as the Death Star to some, <laughs> Mark Bedane, uh, yeah. resigned from the team just this week. So I wanted to get your take on his resignation and what he really meant to this Raiders organization. So um, first of all, you know, Mark and I have known each other since I was affiliated with the Raiders, came over to the team since 1996. I've seen him work himself up from the finance department to where he ended up and, you know, in a team president um, was so proud of him, the job that he did. Um, he's featured in my upcoming book, uh, These Walls Could Talk, where we were talking about just the move to Las Vegas, the transition, how pivotal, pivotal it was for the organization to find a home and to get one as, and for it to look as, 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 as well as the facilities do in Henderson, but Allegiant Stadium as well. Um, surprised by the res resignation, really was. Yeah. Didn't see it coming, especially when he had worked so hard to get to this point. And I, I, I assume that he would want to see the fans in the stands like we just talked about a moment ago and this impact and how it feels. But, and I haven't had a chance to talk to him, but in hearing people who did, I certainly get it. You know, 30 years with an organization and, you know, I recall when I played, and I hate to use references like this, but I, it comes to heart when I think about Bedane. I was so beat up and torn up uh, physically and emotionally when I played that if we had won the Super Bowl in 2002, I was ready to call it quits, ready to go off in the sunset, sunset, sunset you know, right off as, as you know, I, I accomplished what I wanted to. Um, I kind of feel that Mark did the same thing. Seeing the Legion Stadium, seeing Henderson, knowing the Raiders are in a better place. Um, they've got security. They, you know, they've got, they've got a, a high uh, self-esteem, you know, for the organization. I, I can see you. He wants to spend time with his family and his kids. Why not a, a good time as any just to say, you know what, I'm, I've done my part. I'm, it's time for me to do something else. Well, and that's great stuff there. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he does do. I think you're definitely right. I think every time you see a president the, of anything, mm -hmm. after a few years, their hair starts to <laughs> change oh, colors. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Show, and I can't imagine the undertaking that it was to put this together for Las Vegas and the Raiders. But right there, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk some about things like offense tackles, some things that I want to hear your take on, like Alex Leatherwood. So let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Please check out our new 7 at 7 newscast weekdays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Get every bit of local news you need in seven minutes from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Welcome back to the Takeaways edition of the Vegas Nation podcast. It's Heidi Fang here with former Raiders offensive tackle Lincoln Kennedy and also current host and also author. Got a book coming out, but yeah, most of in the huddle and <laughs> <laughs> the book coming out. Tell us a little bit about the book, Lincoln. You know, um, Paul Gutierrez and I worked on this project for some time. It, it's been sort of a baby in the making, if you will. Um, been asked many a time to do something about my time with the Raiders and just got kind of shied away from it because I didn't want to share anybody's personal business. It was one of the things, you know, sometimes when you look into these books, people expect to tell all. And, and then he was like, no, just tell from your, your perspective. So we, we kind of 
geared it around and, and took the personal effect of what it means to be a Raider. And it's different for every guy we talk to, every person we talk to. Um, it has a different meaning. It's special in its own way. And we wanted to share that with the audience. And I really do think we did a good job at telling the stories of what happened during my tenure with the Raiders, how I got there, my time there, playing for Gruden, um, playing against Gruden. I mean, all those things like that. So I think we conquered that or captured that. And I'm, I'm hoping the fans feel the same when it comes out. Paul has been very reserved about letting any of the nuggets from the book get away. I know, <laughs> I've had I know, the opportunity to sit with him in, in the yeah. media rooms, but he's very tight-lipped on letting any of the nuggets out. So I can't wait to see this book. I'm going to make sure that I get a copy, pick it up and yes, all. Um, I wanted to get into what you know best on the field, offensive linemen, and particularly, you know where I'm going with this, Alex Leatherwood. Uh, what do you make of the young rookie that they brought in from Alabama? I was really excited about the pick. I didn't think we were going to get him. Um, my, I actually thought he was going to go to the Chargers, who I had, I think I had the 12th pick or something yeah. like that. Um, but I remember Cable, Coach Cable, the offensive line coach, talking with him a few years back, and he, he kind of put Leatherwood on my radar. He told me about him, his playing in Alabama. And I was, you know, one of the things that I love about Alex is that, and I told him that when I told him this, when I had a chance to talk to him at the interview, is that it looks like he enjoys beating people up. And that's, that's what you want out of an offensive line. You know, I don't care about anything. I just want to beat people up. I just want to beat you up. I just want to beat everyone that's wearing the same uniform as you up. I want to, I want to do it and have fun doing it. And he, he was that versatile player who played every position on the offensive line except for center during his time at Alabama and did it at a high level. And for him to fall to our place, fall to our pick without having to trade or having to give anything up, I just thought I, I thought it was honestly it was a godsend because he's a day one starter. And one of the biggest blemishes that, that this offense has had, even since I started working for the Raiders, was that right tackle. Yeah. You know, they found, you know, they found our left tackle. They, you know, they get, took everything else they had with even when they had Rodney Hudson, Gabe Jackson, everything. All line was together, but it was right tackle. And I thought Trent Brown was going to answer that that calling, but he didn't play enough to answer that calling. And so now you had to move on. But you know, with that being said you still had a blemish there. Yeah. You addressed it in the draft. And sometimes when you address things in the draft, you don't necessarily say they're day one starter. You try to plug and play, but sometimes it doesn't happen that way. I do believe Leatherwood to be a day one starter. He is a right tackle that's going to start day one, you know, for the Raiders. What do you think about Andre James having the time that he did under Rodney Hudson and now coming in to be the starting center? It's the great thing about, as we say in the offensive line world, is progression or evolution. You know, you have that one who steps it down or, you know, whether it's – it is a business. You know, when it comes down to it, it's a business. Most people have to realize that. So there are times where you're trying to cut salaries and you're trying to make changes and go with somebody. Cable's got the utmost confidence in James and thinks that he can do the job. And they also went out and got Martin from Houston just to back up to create depth at that position. But it's time for the young guys to earn their keep. You know, trying to step into this the limelight and do what you do. So in that limelight is always Derek Carr. People before the season were like, maybe uh, we're going to get Watson. Maybe they're going to trade Carr. You know, maybe, oh, the Aaron Rodgers talk that came around. You know, how come Derek Carr is um, always got this this cloud around him? What is that? <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a lot of pressure. The NFL purposely markets their quarterbacks because they want to be able to control not only the, the salaries in a sense where you control your overhead 
If you're marketing one guy rather than 15 guys, you don't have to pay 15 guys. You just pay one for every team. So that's why ideally the quarterback is the image of the team. Mm. And every team's quarterback is the focal point. They get far too much blame when things go wrong. They get far too much credit when things go right, just like the coach. So the constant pressure that's on their shoulders is that you've got to win and you've got to progress. For Derek Carr, you know, I've, I've never said that he's not capable. I've never said that he's not a quarterback who can, who can win games for you. The only criticism that I truly question, is he that quarterback that's going to put you over the top? Yeah. Because that's what we're up against. Let's face yeah. it. You're in a division where you've got Patrick Mahomes, who's not going anywhere for a while. And he's good since he stepped on the field. Then you've got Justin Herbert who's coming in for the Chargers, playing outstanding. So now already you've got two out of your four two out of uh, three teams that you're going to play in your division six times, have a quarterback that can play. They surround themselves with a team, they're going to be trouble. You're going to have to have you're going to have your hands full. Yeah. Denver's eventually going to get it right. They're eventually going to figure it out and they're going to get it right. And then they're going to be competitive. And this division is going to keep beating up on one another. All right. You talk about the compile that especially how to with this schedule that they have playing the AFC North yeah. and playing the NFC East, yeah. it's not going to be easy. You're taking on Indianapolis, you're taking on Cleveland, you're taking on all these schools. It's not going to be easy. So you question whether or not the quarterback is going to put you over the top. And so let's, let's break it down. What do the Raiders, what are the Raiders looking for this season? Well, obviously they want to make the playoffs, but now is just making the playoffs. Is that good enough for this fan base? Or do you want, or are you expecting to go further? And if you're expecting him to go further, is that is your quarterback the one who's going to take you further? A lot of people believe that it is. They want to get the defense right. They want to get Gus Bradley in there, get the defense right, get some stops, because that was the difference maker for last year. I get that. Yeah. And I understand that. But is he going to be the one that's going to consistently beat Patrick Mahomes? Is he going to be the one who's going to consistently beat, you know, Justin Herbert? Because let's face it, until last year, Derek Carr never beat Patrick Mahomes, never beat the Chiefs. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So that one game, so that's the one split. So we're on to something. But, you know, time is of the essence. You only have a real short window when you can get things done. And you have to make those hard decisions sometimes whether or not you have to move on. And ever since Gruden took over the team, that was the constant question asked. How are Derek and Gruden going to gel? Do you see a harmonious relationship? Derek's not the problem. He's not the problem. He's had solid quarterback play, but, and this is the hardest thing that people in my position have to deal with, and I'm sure you do to some, some extent, is he the solution? Yeah. That's the question you have to ask. And if you're a Raider faithful, you're, a lot of people are torn. Some people say we need to move on, need to give Mariota a try, or, you know, get another quarterback, go after Watson, you know, go after Aaron Rodgers and stuff like that. You know, let's face it. If Aaron Rodgers goes to Denver – if, he's, if he becomes a Bronco, come on now. With that defense and that team surrounding, you know, Derek hasn't been Aaron Rodgers consistently. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it, it, won't, it won't get any easier anytime soon. Uh, yeah. And just to that point, when you start looking at the wide receivers, you start looking at the defensive players, who do you say, like, just either position group or individual player, who needs to take the biggest leap this year? Well, what Gruden enjoys doing is having a power running game to the right. And that's why Leather, Leatherwood is so critical, okay, in that development. Um, 
obviously he's got to he's got to he doesn't have to take the step forward as much as he has to play solid, solidly mm-hmm. in his responsibilities. Uh, I'm not worried about Henry Ruggs. I, I think a lot of fans want to see more out of Ruggs, but at the same point, you have to understand sort of the evolution of the receiver, uh, especially in the National Football League. A lot of guys don't come in and have stellar rookie years because it's a big transition. So in time, things are going to come. And they made a conscious effort to try to get Ruggs the ball last year. It just wasn't open. You know, people were trying to take away that speed. They weren't going to be surprised like they saw sometimes on the field. So it's good that you have Darren Waller. It's good that you have Renfro. It's good that you have other people place. you got Josh Jacobs. You bring Kenyon Drake in. I mean, you've got a complete offense. Yeah. There's really nothing that you're lacking or missing. Now it just comes down to a matter of execution and, and sort of a lack of predictability because for the last two years, the Raiders have been offensively predictable in the latter part of the season. And that's why teams have been able to step on them a little bit. You talked earlier on, and I just got a couple more for you, about the front four and how much the um, on defense, the front four on defense that uh, are really going to need to make the push to get that pressure up on the line. So when you look now at some of the guys that they brought in, like Solomon Thomas, a former first-round pick, and obviously Unique Ngakwe's big, Max Crosby stepping up, Clee Furl, number four pick from a few years back. Um, do they have the guys in place now that are going to be able to create that pressure? Yes, but now you got to go out and do it. You got right. the namesakes, you got the ability, there's nothing that you're lacking, but now you got to go out and do it. Look, you know, for what it's worth, Max realized that coming off of his rookie year, how teams were going to defend against him last year. They saw it. He saw it. So when, and, and I've always believed that when an offensive line has to double a defensive end or a defensive player, somebody else needs to win the one-on-one matchups. Someone else needs to beat their man off the ball and get to the quarterback. Quarterbacks are getting so efficient or have been so efficient that you don't have a lot of time. And so what we do is we try to say you want to move them off of their point. Wherever they're set up, it'd be at the shotgun or whatever, that you have to get to that point as quickly as possible to disrupt them, to make it hard for them, make them hold down the ball so others can arrive. The Raiders do have, at least namesake-wise, they have the ability to do that. You know, I'm one of the guys in mindset that think Furl needs to be a defensive tackle rather than defensive end. And then, and him with the, you know, the tandem, maybe the Solomon Thomas or Dockway, you know, working together, that they should be able to generate pressure. Now they have to go out and do it. Okay. And to that, when you think overall about just who might be the 53 and just keep it in that realm, who is going <laughs> to be the most surprising player of 2021 who who do you think is going to make the biggest splash that people just don't see coming i don't know for a fact that it's going to happen but i'm telling you who i'm rooting for and that's Corey littleton i want to see him take that next step to me he was a difference maker when he played with the rams yeah and i think his first year with the raiders he was a little lost still trying to find his way the linebacking core altogether has been somewhat of a hindrance defensive-wise because they just weren't in the right place. I'm hoping that they can uh, solidify that. And I would really like Littleton to take that next step forward. I want to see him make an impact on this defense. I love it. Thank you so much for the time today, Lincoln. And I got one little thing for you. A little? Is that Angry Crab Shack open? You haven't been there? Yes, we're open. No. Okay. Come on. Heidi. Yes. Angry Crab Shack is open on Sunset and Green Valley. So, Stop by and ask them specifically if you can eat in the Raider room. Okay. See if you enjoy it. All right. All right. I'm going to make sure to stop by now. Best of luck with the book and uh, also the show. Appreciate your time. I appreciate it, Heidi. Thank you for having me. Thank you.
And that'll do it for this edition of Takeaways. Get down to the angry crab shack. You heard the address there from Lincoln Kennedy. And I certainly appreciate all the time that he gave us here on the podcast. Make sure to check out VegasNation.com for all of your latest Raiders news, as well as checking out LBRJ.com to keep on top of all that we're doing. We're going to be out of training camp next week. You don't want to miss a thing. We're going to have you covered all the interviews, all the updates, anything you want to know. You'll find it on VegasNation.com. For Lincoln Kennedy, I'm Heidi Fang. Thank you so much for listening. Use your mobile phone to get seven minutes of nonstop news from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Seven at seven, weekdays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m.